Well, good morning, Journey Church. It's good to see everybody here. Uh, it's a great Sunday. Uh, haven't been up on the stage teaching in a while. Feels like it's been a long time. Uh, so it's good, to, it's good to be back up here. I have a, a special announcement today. Uh, our family is now growing. Uh, my son and his uh, lovely fiance now, Kayla, just got engaged this weekend. And so we are very, very happy. So they're starting their journey together. And honestly, that has nothing to do with what I'm going to share with you today. I was just, uh, just a proud papa moment. If you see them, they'll be here and uh, coming in the second service. Uh, give them some grief. So we're going to continue on with this uh, conversation about uh, this journey, call it my journey, because it's about your personal journey that leads us closer to Jesus. Randy led off last week, and I want to start just by uh, giving a, kind of a recap uh, of what he stated. This path, this begin, believe, belong, become. That's what our journey is all about. The first waypoint on that journey is to begin. You know, it's always good. It's a little bit of a joke, but it's always good to start at the beginning. And so we see with this that, um, that the begin, it has, we have some symbology there. We have a, a horizontal arrow. And that's because this represents, this waypoint represents a time in our lives when we're lost, when we are spiritually dead, when we do not know Jesus Christ and haven't accepted that promise that he gives us. And so Jesus offered, like Randy said last week, a simple challenge to, to the curious people that sought to follow him. Jesus simply said, come and see. We see that in the book of John in the first chapter, verse 39. That's a very low-level challenge. He's just saying, come and check it out for yourself. And so we take that horizontal journey to the next waypoint uh, where we believe. That stands for, obviously, the believer. At this waypoint, uh, when you've become a believer in Christ, when you've accepted him as your Savior, uh, then you've reached the next level on your journey. And so the horizontal journey from beginning uh, brings you to the foot of the cross, and that motion, as you see with the arrow in our little symbol here, uh, you, you go from a horizontal journey to looking up, and you're seeing the crucified Christ, and you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior. You've accepted God's promise of grace that he offers. And so how do you get to this waypoint? It's, it's pretty simple. Uh, the Bible says it's by believing in our heart that Jesus is the Christ, and by, by expressing with our voice and admitting that he's our Savior, and then following in baptism. And Jesus, to those people that accepted him, that early on in his ministry, after he had said, come and see, and they accepted him as the Messiah, he issued the next command to them, the next challenge. Took a little bit more effort on their part when he said, follow me. We see that in verse 43. You know, this waypoint kind of reminded me about a, a trip that I took last year to Colorado. It was a ministry uh, a trip for some ministry leaders, and uh, it was quite a bit of a journey. First, I had to get to Colorado, and so then we drove from Denver to a small town called Buena Vista, and that was about an hour or so. Stayed in an Airbnb overnight, and then the next morning, uh, we got up to travel. Uh, the guy that I traveled with, his name is Sean. Actually, he's going to be here next week. He's going to be sharing with you. And, and to kind of let you know what this trip was about, he 
he helps equip pastors from what he calls a wilderness perspective, looking at like the, the, the time that Jesus spent in the wilderness. So the next morning we got in a truck and we drove um, to uh, about, a, we were at 6,000 feet in Buena Vista. We drove in the mountains to about 11,000 feet, but we drove on this, this dirt road. I mean, a bumpy, rough dirt road. And if I remember correctly, it was about 12, maybe 15 miles on this, this, this bumpy road. And then when we got to the end of that, we had to travel up what was called a four-wheel drive road. And that's exactly what it means. It takes a four-wheel drive to get up there. So we're rocking and rolling for about two and a half, three miles. And then we get to the next place where that road ends. Then we have to unpack our gear. We put on our backpacks and carried all of our stuff in and hiked about 800 meters until we got to the camp that we were staying. And the idea was is that a group of the guys were going to go from 11,000 feet on a hike to a 14,000-foot peak. Now, I couldn't do that. I had my old hip then. And so I stayed back in this area, and we called it our base camp. And so that's where we prepared. That's where we made our meals. That's where we put up our tents. And that was kind of the base of our operation. And so I think that's what this Waypoint Believe is, is like. That's kind of our base camp of operations. Because it's at this point that we need to learn. As a new Christian, we need to learn how to eat and, and how to sleep. And as a Christian, we need to learn how to talk as a Christian. And so at this point, we enter into what I call an eye focus at this point, it's about me. For a time, it's about me. It's about learning the things I need to learn to live a life that, that gets us closer to Jesus. It's the beginning of our journey. The, the thing is, though, we can't stay here. We can't just stay at this waypoint. There's a real problem. This is supposed to be kind of like the place where we're sitting in the high chair. The Apostle Paul says it's where we're supposed to consume milk because we're not ready for solid food. It's a time when we're learning. But that high chair sometimes turns into a really comfortable recliner. Because you see, when it's about me, I'm all for that. And so I like that. But it's not where God calls us to be. It's not where we're supposed to stay. And so we're supposed to go to the next level of our journey. And that's signified by the waypoint of belong. Belong. And the symbology you, you see here is kind of circular. It's kind of a movement uh, amongst ourselves. This is where we enter into fellowship with other people. See, it's no longer just about us and God anymore. And it's at this point that our spiritual maturization continues. And that's something that never stops. But, but it's, a, it's a place where we start to progress. It's here where our focus starts to shift. Instead of being all about me, we develop a we focus. It's at this waypoint that we start joining in on, I believe, what's God's calling for all of us as Christians. See, it's not so much just about belonging to the church, but it's about adopting his mission, adopting his commission for our lives. Jesus issued a challenge to his disciples, those followers that first accepted him and then started following him. And this was like 20 months, 18 to 20 months in, inside of Jesus' ministry when all these people he had spent so much time with he leveled a high-level challenge to them when he said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of people. That was a high-level challenge because it took something. It took a bigger sacrifice. You know, Jesus' life with his disciples kind of reminded me 
about my, my wife's profession. She's a nurse. And so when a nurse, a new hire comes in, a new graduate or whatever, my wife's been there for 33 years. And so she's got a lot of experience. Sometimes they'll place a more inexperienced nurse with her and she'll, they'll follow her. And they'll watch as she's doing the work and then she slowly starts including them in the work. And so that's what Jesus is doing with his disciples. He's mentoring them as they grow, as he's gotten to know them. And so he issued that high-level challenge. You know, before it was just an, just an invitation to just come check it out. Just, just come follow me and just check it out. But now he's engaging them and he's challenging them to pay the high cost of joining his ministry. And that's what they did. A lot of them dropped what they were doing. Some of them, their families went with them. Some of them left their families and they started following Jesus. You know, I love the story of when Jesus sent out his disciples. He, he first sent out the first 12, the apostles, the leaders of the group. And he gave them specific instructions. He told them what to take and what not to take on their journey. And they came back and they reported the crazy things that had happened when they followed what he had said. And Jesus kind of says, good, you know, well done. But then, then he does something else. He sends out 72 people. I believe these are the lay people. And when they, he gave them similar instructions. And they came back and they reported you know, similar outcomes. But it says in the Bible here that Jesus was full of joy when they came back and reported to him. And I wonder what the difference is between the 12 and the 72. You know, just kind of a good effort on the 12, the leaders, but Jesus is full of joy when the 72 returned. I think it's because they were the lay people. And I believe they were men and women. And I believe that Jesus was overjoyed because he saw the people that were going to change the world for the church. He saw us. He saw us in the 72. See, the, the leaders, the 12, even after Jesus ascended, Jesus had told them, stay back in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. But then what was going on in Jerusalem was the persecution. And so it was pushing those people out. And I think those were part of the 72. And they went out and they changed the world for Christianity. We're descendants of those people, those lay people that went out and, and started the process, the very first process of making disciples. Jesus' challenge to make disciples, to, to, to be fishers of people, that's for us. It's for all of us. And that brings us to the ultimate waypoint to become, to become what Jesus calls us to be, to be substantially living out his call on our lives. You see, the symbology here is multidirectional because this is at the point where we're going even beyond the walls of the church to the four corners of the earth, as Jesus described. And here's where he issued his last and I think his most challenging uh, uh, command when he said to this, it says in John chapter 15, my Father is glorified by this that you produce much fruit. And, and listen to the end of that statement and prove that you're my disciples. Folks, that has some implications. How do we prove that we're disciples of Jesus? We prove it by bearing much fruit in our lives. And make no mistake about it, fruit are souls. Fruit are other people. We're not supposed to go to heaven alone. We're supposed to share the gospel. We're supposed to invest in other people. That's when our focus, when we get to this waypoint, our focus shifts again 
from being about we to being about others, to being about others. That's what we're called to, to worry about is other people joining us in heaven in that day that we leave this earth or when Jesus comes back, whichever one happens first. So that's the, those are the waypoints. That's what our personal journey looks like. And really, it's, it's a summary. It's not something we dreamed up. It's a summary of, of Jesus' ministry here on earth. It's what he did. It's what he did with his disciples. It's how he developed them, and it's how he created the church on this earth that we're supposed to continue to build. So we spent a lot of time talking about that. The next question, I think, that's a natural question for you to ask yourselves. I ask myself this all the time. It's this. What do I need to do to reach the next waypoint on my journey? That's a fair question. How do we shift from an I focus to a we focus to a focus on other people? And I think it's by living out the very foundational principles that Jesus lived out when he was on this earth a couple of thousand years ago. I think the life of Christ was lived intentionally, so we'll know how to navigate this journey here on this earth. See, this is when the theory turns into action. This is where we graduate with all of our skills, and we go to work. It's where the rubber meets the road. And if you're honest, and I'm being honest about myself, on that journey, if you look at that begin, believe, belong, become, and I've tried to give you an understanding, Randy has too, about what that means, about which waypoint uh, that we're on, you kind of have to admit, I have to admit, that for most of my adult life, I've been right there at that believe part. That I've gotten stuck and I've been there thinking it should be all about me. And, you know, it's, it's, it's so easy in our brokenness and our fallenness to do that. We, come, we become very comfortable. Uh, like I said, we like it when it's about us. But it's never intended to be just about us. God doesn't call us to get stuck in this one location on our journey. You know, like I said, it's supposed to be a high chair of spiritual development, but it becomes the lazy boy. It becomes that comfortable recliner. Or it becomes a place where we're, you know, old people sitting in a, in, a, in a high chair being fed and becoming spiritually fat. We've tried to simplify this process of what we believe can help us grow. And so to get unstuck from that level. And the process is summed up by three words. Three words. And we call them our values. Those words are connecting and growing and sharing. And I really want to spend the majority of my time unpacking what those words mean. If I'm going to tell you that connecting and growing and sharing is the way that we can navigate this journey, then I need to explain what those mean. So connecting, we'll start there. It's really the first part of it is regular church attendance. It's pretty simple. It's what you guys are doing right now. You know, regular church attendance, the definition's been changed over the years with our culture you know, probably back when I was a kid, you know, regular church attendance, people might define it as, you know, you're there all the time. You're there unless just something happens that you can't be there. Uh, you make a priority out of attending a Sunday morning church service. You know, in our modern days, people might tell you that that means you're here once or twice a month. But what it really means, regular church attendance, is just making this a priority in your life. But, you know, in and amongst itself, Sunday morning... As valuable as it is, I think that when we come to, to, serve, to church service on Sunday morning, we can be inspired. We can be educated. 
and we can be motivated. But it's hard to be transformed if we're just here just on Sunday morning. Transformation, I believe, happens when we enter into a community and live our lives with other Christians. And so we try to to, to invest in ways that we can help you do that in a world that wants to keep us divided. We have journey groups, journey groups that meet throughout the week. We have a handful of those, most of them led by staff, but not all. There's a couple that are led by lay leaders. And I will tell you, if you feel the, the, the calling to facilitate a group in your home or here at church, uh, we would love to sign you up for that. We need more leaders and facilitators. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to know everything. You just have to be willing to build relationships with other believers. And so let us know. And, and we also have um, a Journey Kids Club that we started this year. And we have the kids that are, it's kind of an expansion of our Journey Camp. And then we have the parents on Wednesday nights that are taking part in another a group setting. And so we're going to expand on that next year. We're going to try to add more opportunities for groups to form on Wednesday nights with child care included when your kids are going to be taking part in the Journey Kids Club. We have Sunday morning groups. I see a couple of our leaders sitting in the, for a second service, sitting in the, in the service. Those are Sunday school classes. We call them groups. They meet in first and second service. We have a handful of those. We have a women's ministry that's cranking up, that's going to meet on the first and third Tuesday of the month. We have some men's ministry events that we're planning for next year. They're going to start in January. Uh, Eric has things like movie nights. We had our fall festival trunk or treat that brings us together in fellowship. We had Thanksgiving dinner just last week, more than 200 people here having dinner and fellowship together. And so in today, Randy mentioned that we're going to have a meet and greet and that's for people that are new to the church. We had a, an influx of new families that came in, and we want to make sure that they get introduced to our staff and they get introduced to who we are as a church and how we tick and, and what we believe. And so if you've been coming for a little while and you would like to do that, you don't have to really sign up. Just show up today at 1230. It's going to be in the fellowship hall. I originally said it was going to be out here, but we've got a few families that are coming, and I think we're going to run out of room. And so you're invited to come and check it out. We're going to have a light lunch. Bring the kids. And so we try to have several ways for you to connect to our community, to connect to Journey Church. There's also something else, another way that we can connect to the church, and that's by serving, by serving in a ministry of the church. And we have several ways that you can do that. I know we have a bunch of kids in the back right now. We have that every Sunday morning, first and second service. We've got the nursery, we've got the graded up to, you know, second grade. Uh, we, Eric needs your help. It takes a lot of volunteers. See, we invest heavily in our children and our youth because that's who sits in front of us. You know, in Woodford County, we're a bedroom community to Frankfurt and Lexington, so there's a lot of families from families with preschoolers all the way up to high schoolers and everything in between. And so we invest heavily in that, and we need your help. Uh, there's uh, opportunities to serve on the worship team. If you're talented, if you're gifted by playing instruments or singing, Dan would like to talk to you, I'm sure. But you don't just have to be able to sing and play an instrument. We have tech. We have audio. We have visual. We have sound. We have guys up there right now that are, that are monitoring all that, and they need your help as well. Uh, we have our student ministry, The Way, that meets on Sunday afternoons. 
Zach is always ready to accept new adult leaders with the kids. So another way to get uh, connected. Also serving in more practical ways, like on the grounds. You know, we have a slew of volunteers that keep this place mowed. They're not mowing today, but they keep this place groomed. And they're a well-oiled machine. They could probably use an extra person as well. Uh, we do the landscaping all around the church. There's tons of practical ways that you can get involved as well. And finally, the way that we can connect to the church is through generosity. You just got through hearing Robert Brock talk about how that we're making a difference by helping fund a church in Bulgaria. And so it's amazing that what we do here is affecting the gospel around the world, and that's through the, the generosity. See, we're an independent church, so we have no other source of funding except what our members, the people that call this place home, give on Sundays. You know, we, we, kinda, we, are, we believe in the principle of the tithe here, but we don't really like clubbing people over the head with that because not everybody's at the same location on their journey. But we always encourage people to act in generosity and to consider the next move, the next step on their journey. You know, we started this released initiative a little while ago, a year or so ago, and, and we're coming up towards the end of that, and we've taken what was more than a million dollars of debt, and we've cut it more than in half. And folks, I think we're going to get there. We're going to pay the debt off. And, and it's not just for more income. It's for what, what we can do. The released initiative was about dreaming about how much God can affect the world around us if we were to retire the debt for this building. And so that's going to happen. It's going to happen because of the membership of the people that call this place their home, that have acted in generosity and in faith. And so we're excited about that. So that's how you can connect to the church. The second value, growing. Growing in our faith. Uh, growing in our spiritual lives. Growing in our knowledge. You know, I think the way we grow is by, again, adopting those foundational priorities that Jesus had. It's by understanding the power of the Holy Spirit. By knowing that the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a person, not a mystical shadow. But it's the comforter that Jesus said was coming when he ascended. Jesus said that the comforter is going to be more valuable to us. See, Jesus in his human limitations couldn't be with us all the time, but the Holy Spirit dwells in the hearts and souls of everybody who believes in Him. And so Holy Spirit is a powerful resource that God wants us to leverage, and we need to learn how to do that, how to become dependent on the Holy Spirit. To grow, we need to grow in our prayer life. Our prayer life needs to grow beyond just supplication, beyond just asking for God's stuff. Our prayer life needs to become a priority. It needs to be a relational concept. It's a conversation between us and the living God. We need to practice prayer as a form of worship, and we need to inject it in every part of our lives. We need to grow in our obedience, in our spiritual disciplines. We need to adopt holiness and purity. And I know that sounds maybe bad to some people, but we really do need to basically choose the things of God instead of the things of the world. That's what holiness and purity means. Choosing the things of God, and that's how we grow. We need to study and reflect on God's Word. Not only do we need to do that, we need to read the Bible. We need to do that daily. We need to have group studies where we're asking each other questions and we're growing in that, in that way. It's personal devotion. 
And it's not just reading the Bible and consuming it and memorizing verses, but it's taking the Bible and applying those principles to our daily lives. And we also need to worship. We're doing that this morning, but this isn't where worship starts and stops. We need to worship God on a daily basis. Jesus worshiped the Father. Jesus exalted uh, his Father on a, on a daily basis. Every, every minute of the day, he was always given his Father credit. And so we need to be living a life of praise, not just on Sunday, but throughout the week. We need to be acknowledging who the creator of the universe is, not just in private, not just within the walls of the church, but out in public. People should know we should not be ashamed of the gospel. As Paul said, he wasn't. And then we have to be relational. You know, when I was younger, and people that know me might not uh, believe this, but I was pretty quiet. I was kind of an introspective person. As a young man, I was just not very confident. And you know, as I kind of just kind of made myself interact with other people, I started becoming more and more uh, kind of outgoing. It, it was easier for me to start uh, conversations and make connections with other people. See, folks, we're not built to live our Christian life alone. We are supposed to be living that with other people. And I think if we practice that, as we try to grow in our faith, it'll become easier. And if we stand a chance to help other people navigate this journey that we're talking about, their personal journeys, we're going to have to enter into relationships with them. Relationships of love and integrity. So we have some vehicles for growth here at the church as well. Sunday morning service is a place to come. It's a place to learn and to grow. We talked about the groups that engage in studies together and live in their spiritual lives together. Uh, we also have something that we probably have not touted quite enough, and it's called Move University. Move Y-O-U University. It's designed to help move you on your simple journey toward Jesus. You can access that on our website. It's right on the landing page. Just click on the, the link to Move University, and there you're going to see these symbols, each symbol by each symbol, there's going to be a video that kind of explains the waypoint. And then there's, there's connections, there's links for resources. Things like a, a yearly Bible uh, reading plan. Uh, there's, there's things like books and uh, studies that you can engage in. And, and even some classes that you can maybe sign up for. And so check that out, Move University. We're also going to have a little mini conference next week. That's called the Upper Room. Upper Room, Leading the Way. And the concept behind the upper room, we started this last year with a year-long study, but the concept behind that is that Jesus, that last supper in the upper room, he was interacting with the people that were, that were gaining this, this desire to fulfill his mission. They were on fire for his mission. And so it's, it's a way for us to, to try to exemplify what that looks like and, and help people to gain this, this fire in your belly for, for doing the mission of Jesus. So take advantage of those opportunities. If you'd like to attend, it's going to be on a Friday night. Uh, this week's Friday night, uh, we're going to have a dinner. And then we'll be back here at the church on Saturday uh, for a breakfast. And it'll be, we'll, be gone, we'll be out by mid-afternoon, so it won't take you very long. But if you'd like to take part in that, you can find the link on our website. Or you can email me or you can catch me after the service. And finally, the last value, and I think the most important value... And quite honestly, it's the one that I think we struggle with the most, is sharing. Sharing our faith 
in our lives with other people. You know, I think we get kind of caught up in this. I think that maybe even the church is a little, little complicit in the problem because we've, maybe we've kind of given the, the kind of the idea that it's really up to the, to the paid pastors to do the sharing and that we're just providing maybe customer services. But the bottom line is God calls us all to share our lives with other people. We're supposed to equip you and help you do that, and that's why we're showing you what this journey looks like is we want to help you take the next step on your journey as we're doing the same thing as we're trying to take the next step on ours. Sharing is difficult because we think we got to know a lot, because we think we have to be that theologian, that we, we're nervous that we can't answer tough questions. But you know, the way we start in sharing is really simple. We can share our personal story. That's not hard. We can share how God has just changed us. How when we accepted Christ, how the transformation that happened, that supernatural thing that happened in our lives. And, a tr and trust me, your story is not boring. It's not boring. Your story is not too crazy either. It could be a powerful witness. And so we can start to learn to share by sharing our own personal story. And we can do that with the lost, with people that don't know Christ, people that are at that begin level on their journey. We can even share it with other Christians who are kind of stuck where they are. Uh, with those people in our circle of concern, it's your people that you know, it's your family members, it's your friends, it's your co-workers, it's the people in your general vicinity that you can affect, that you can make a difference in. And you can do that by adopting these values as your own. And you can, again, help someone adopt those as well. We're just trying to endeavor towards substantially living these values out. And when we do that, we'll stand a better chance, I think, of helping people take the next step on their journey, and we'll be able to take the next step on ours. You know, I used to, uh, to wrap this up, I wanted to share with you, I used to fly a lot. Um, matter of fact, I used to fly, uh, for about three years, I flew at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. And, uh, you know, I was on this airplane, I think I've told this story before, but I was on this airplane headed to Charlotte. Uh, I had a chance to take this puddle jumper or take a flight through Atlanta. The flight through Atlanta took six hours, the puddle jumper took 50 minutes. So I could go down and be back in the same day. So I chose the puddle jumper, and it was this little plane called a jet stream. It wasn't a jet, it was a prop plane, and it was about that long. It had 19 seats in it, and so it would fishtail down the runway when you're taking off. I found out later that it had a horrible safety record. But when you got up to altitude, it made this high-pitched noise in the, in, in the cabin. And I, I bought earplugs one day, and it didn't help at all because it was more of a vibration than it was a noise. I hated flying on that little plane, but it got me there quicker. But one, one day, we were flying, and uh, it was in the winter, and we heard this loud crack on the bottom of the airplane. And as soon as that crack, as soon as I heard that loud crack, the plane started vibrating. And then right at the same time, the nose dropped and we started descending. I am not a nervous flyer, but I was nervous on that day. And I was afraid to make eye contact with the other people in the plane. But I looked around and as I did, they were just as nervous as me. This felt like it went on for like 30 minutes. It's probably three minutes. And then the pilot came on the intercom. 
and said, we're just starting our, our descent into Charlotte Douglas. Uh, and oh, by the way, that loud crack you heard and the vibration, we just init- initiated the de-icing equipment. And so my first thought was relief that we were going to be okay. My next was, why in the world didn't you tell me that three minutes ago? <laughs> and so I thought we were going down there for that three minutes. That was a long three minutes uh, during that flight. And the reason I tell you that is uh, just to give you a sense of urgency of where we are. Folks, we are all on a plane. We're on this big ball of dirt flying around the sun, and we're going down. None of us are going to survive this life. We're all going to die, and we don't know when. We don't know when that's going to happen. And so just like when they, another analogy, in an airplane, I flew enough, you know, where they do the instructions before the flight. I can do those. They could probably get me to stand up and I can do it. You remember they, if you've flown, they first tell you about the seat belts, how to get them on, how to take them off. Then they notify you of where the exits are. Then the life vest. Even if you're flying across the middle of the country, they still tell you about those life vests. And then finally they tell you in case of a rapid decompression. Then they hold up the oxygen mask. And they say... um, they show you how to put it on. They tell you that the bag infl- is going to uh, flow oxygen even if it doesn't inflate. I told you I could teach this. And so they tell you all that. Then they say something that's so curious to me. They say, make sure you put yours on first before you help someone else. Now that kind of goes against my grain a little bit because I'm kind of a protector. My, my son kind of got that from me. I'm a protector. So I'm thinking, if my wife's, my kid, I'm... I'm going to try to probably put their mask on first. But here's the reason they tell you that. In a rapid decompression at 35,000 feet, you go from plenty of breathable oxygen to next to none. You go from 75 comfortable degrees to 75 below zero. That's what's outside of you when you're flying in an airplane. And so what they're saying is, is if you really want to help somebody, you better make sure you put yours on first because you can't help them if you're unconscious. And so it's just like this journey that we're on. Our goal is to help other people take this journey. That should be the mission that we're on. And we need to prepare ourselves. We need to put our mask on first. We need to grow. We need to connect to the church. We need to grow. And we need to be sharing with other people. Because remember, we're on this plane that's going down. And there's a sense of urgency in living out these values. Jesus traveled a very specific path when he was a human here on earth. And that's what this symbolizes. Like I said, we didn't dream it up. It's a summary of the life of Christ, the life he lived that shows us how we can grow closer to him. Our time is limited, and I'll wrap this up by saying this. Don't let too much time slip away before you answer his call to take the next step on your personal journey that leads closer to him. Now, in in a moment, I'm going to pray like I always do. Um, but it's also a time when I'm done. The, the band's going to come back out. And they're going to they're gonna sing another song. Uh, but it's a time where we're going to invite you to respond. Uh, we're going to invite you to come up. Randy's going to be up here. We'll have other people up here. Uh, if you want someone to pray with you, we'd be glad to do that. But it's also a time where this place is opened up up front for you to come and to worship God through your prayers. You know, if you want to come up alone or as couples, whatever, I would invite you to do that. 
You know, every week we say something. We say, you know, if you're hurting or if something's going on in your life and you need prayer, we'll be glad to pray with you. And I'll be honest with you, I worry about everybody that's hurting and struggling. I really do. I think that, but, but I'm going to be honest with you. I worry about a group of people of which a lot of times I belong to that say, when someone says that, you say, nope, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need it. And sometimes we even think we don't even need Jesus. We don't need God. I worry more about those folks. Because when we're down in the bottom and we're looking up, it's easier to look up and look for that life preserver. But when we feel like we don't need it, that's where real danger sets in. So if, you're, if you're, something's holding you back in your seat that you can't come up and pray, I'm going to pray that that gets released today. That you can come up and you can ask for, for, for help. You can ask for forgiveness. But you can all come up, come up and just deal with God. Just maybe come up and praise Him. He wants to hear our voices. It's what the Bible tells us. And so we got a lot of space up here. We've got the kneelers, and we're going to have people to help you as well. Let me pray for us, and then I'm going to invite you guys to come forward as we sing this last song. Heavenly Father, that God, you, you say that your, uh, your path is narrow. And God, I just pray for each and every one that's sitting here today, each and every one that's here and this message that's heard your word, not mine, that, that they uh, will just respond. That uh, we'll try to take this next step, that we're going to try to grow closer to you. And we're going to leverage everything that we can to make that happen. Most importantly, Lord, I pray for those that are, that, that are inhibited from dealing with you. For whatever reason, I pray for those that are hurting, that they would come forward. God, I pray that you would make this house a house of prayer. God, we love you. And it's in your son's name that we offer our prayers today. Amen.